Thanks for checking out the Junior High Ministry Podcast with Mariners JHM. This week, we took a different turn. We were going to be doing a series on money, and we actually decided to scrap that series and do something completely different. We started a series called Through the Darkness. Um, I think everything that's been happening in our community, um, everything that's been happening around the country, uh, in local schools, with suicides and school shootings, it, it was important to me that we took a pause and just called out what we were seeing and have a discussion with the students, um, open up God's word, let them learn something about how Jesus dealt with grief and with difficult times um, and with confusion and with people who didn't have a, a lot of answers and were pointing a lot of fingers um, and trying to figure out why. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week. I hope it provided a great opportunity for conversation with your students and students, if you're listening to this, uh, let it be a great opportunity to have conversations with your parents because we need to talk about this. The more we don't talk about it, the more it just fills up that space between students and parents with all the things that we wish we were saying. Uh, Hopefully this series helps you say some things. So check it out. Week two is coming next week. We hope you're doing great and, uh, and we love you and life's better in JHM because you guys are in JHM. Have a good one. You have no idea how blessed we are and fortunate we are to have an amazing student leaders an amazing worship leader here at Mariners. Uh, hey, do me a favor. I want everyone to inch their chairs up a tiny bit because I want to see you guys a little bit better, okay? Uh, I haven't been here in a couple of weeks, okay? I was on vacation. I was speaking at another camp for another youth group, uh, and I just haven't been here. But I want you to know that I've missed you guys, and I want you to know that while I've been gone, I've been praying for you. I've been looking at the prayer requests that have been written down on the prayer wall in the back. I'll be honest with you. Some of the things that I read made me laugh because they were hilarious. Some of the things I read truly made me cry because I think the things that you guys are praying for are very real things. And I think junior high ministry is the best ministry. I think it's the funnest ministry. I think it's the most incredible. I think life is better in JHM, but I also think that you guys really are dealing with serious, heavy things. What I've read about things that your friends are dealing with, you're praying for your friends, things I see you praying about for your family, things your parents are going through, things you're going through at your school. And there's been a lot that's been going on, okay? And if you are here for the first time, this is different, somewhat different than other weeks because we actually took a pause from a series we were doing about money in order to do this for the next two weeks called Through the Darkness. And if you're taking notes or you're a note taker, you want to grab a Bible and a pen, we're going to be looking at John 11 today. And we are going to be learning something that I think we will be able to save and look at in the months and weeks to come that I think will really help us. Because here's the reality. Um, I look around and I see that things are happening in our communities. Things aren't just happening in our communities. Things are happening in our country. You know, I look at the news, and if you're like me, maybe, you know, maybe you watch the news, your parents watch the news, and you see stories of suicide, stories of school shootings, and you see these things, and, and you think to yourself, maybe the same thing I thought to myself when I was young, what is happening in this country? What is happening in this world? And then you start to think questions, and maybe you're fearful if I should even think this. Because I remember when there was a school shooting when I was a kid, it was called Columbine, and I remember thinking, Is it safe for me to go to school? Is it okay for me to ask if it's safe for me to go to school? You know, I start to hear stories of of the the people that were involved in it. I start to think, are there people like that at my school? And then I start to look at people and I start to judge them and gauge them through what has to be the most frightening filter at all of who do I know that might do that at my school? Hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
suicide and school shootings have been so in the news recently. I don't know if teachers have talked about it at school. I don't know if your parents have talked about it. But as your pastor and as your friend, we need to talk about it. Now, here's the deal. I want to ask you this question. It's a very simple question. What are you most afraid of? Now, everyone has different answers for what they're most afraid of. Everyone probably answers something different. Uh, I polled a bunch of students, uh, and I got two really big answers. Uh, the number one answer I got was spiders, believe it or not. Okay, they're very afraid of spiders popping up. And I'm afraid of that, too. No one wants to go to summer camp and have a spider crawling up their leg, okay? It's gross. No one wants that. And the second thing I heard was heights. People are deathly afraid of heights. I'm a roller coaster person. I like heights, but I don't know if I'd want to do that. For me personally, I'm afraid of the dark. Now, not everyone's afraid of the dark, but I am, and I don't want anyone making fun of me for it. But when I was a kid, the, uh, my mom was away at Bible study. And so it was just me at home, and I was in my room, you know, listening to music and, you know, doing anything, you know, seventh grade boys do. Listening to music, singing along, dancing. Uh, you know, I was, do, I was blow drying my hair. You know, that's not a big deal now, but back then I had a beautiful head of hair. I used to blow dry. And I was watching TV, and I got hungry, so I wheeled in the microwave from my kitchen. I plugged it in so I could make some popcorn. And as I plug it in, I get it started, it pops a fuse in my house and all the electricity shuts off. I'm afraid of the dark. So I knew what I had to do. I had to go downstairs. I had to, you know, face my fear a little bit, walk in my basement, walk down the flight of stairs, walk across the floor, the cold cement floor of my basement. They have basements in Buffalo. I don't have a lot in California. Find the electrical box, which I knew was kind of by the washer and the dryer, open it, find the switch that I needed to, you know, switch back on it and do it. I did it, and you, know, you could hear the lights and the sounds upstairs, but I forgot to turn the light switch on in the basement, so it's still dark, and I could see the light kind of coming through the door, um, like the photo, and I started to walk back toward the door, and I got this feeling that someone was behind me. And there was no one behind me, but I had the feeling, the fear that someone was behind me. So I start walking, and the walking turns to running, which turns to me sprinting up the stairs to the safety of the light-lit house that I was living in. Now, here's the thing. This is what I think we can all agree on. When it comes to sudden darkness, there's only one goal. Find your way back to the light. Doesn't, even if you're not afraid of the dark, doesn't matter. If, you're, if, you're dark, if your house is dark, like you're trying to find a light switch, if you're at camp walking around with your cabin and someone's flashlight goes out, everyone freaks out and you gotta, you know, gotta find the light, okay? And here's the thing, though. Sometimes there are really dark things that happen in our lives. Okay, now I'm not talking about light bulbs. I'm talking about events that happen that are just as dark. And, but we don't know how to figure our way through those things. Yeah, you know, I kind of broke them up into a couple categories. I think there's global things that happen. You, know, you hear stories of terrorist attacks or starving kids. Um, you know, the, the, some of the things you're going to see up here on the screen. So you'll see some of these things happening. And, you know, you don't know how to deal with those things. Natural disasters, like different things. That, and you're not connected to it. Like, it's something that's happening out there. But you know that, that whatever is happening is, is hurtful for the people that are having to suffer through it. And it affects you somehow. You think about that. You know, then there's community things that happen. These are things like the devastating storms or there's a terrible car crash that happens in your community. Maybe there's a death of a teacher or a student. And maybe it's not in your school or maybe it's not in your neighborhood, but it's close enough that you ask this question. Could that happen to me? Could that happen where I live? Could that happen at my school? Could that happen to someone that I know? And then there's personal things that happen. These are like the dark personal things that happen in our lives. Maybe your parents get divorced. Okay, maybe you lose a friend or a family member. A couple years ago, we lost a student named Josh Wong. He was in my life group. Or maybe you're getting bullied at school, and for you, that's an everyday thing. And you, just, and you want it to end. You don't know how to end it. You don't know what to do because you know going to the teachers and going to the principals like maybe you know, makes things good for a second, but you know, it, you know, it makes it worse over time, and you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to react. 
And then, then we look at, at the news and what's happening in our communities and happening in our nation, and we see that suicides and school shootings, it's just everywhere. And everyone's talking about gun control, and everyone has an opinion about something, but none of that matters to a junior higher, because what you're thinking about is, could that happen to me? Could that happen at my school? If it did, what would I do? What would I say? You hear stories of kids that went to school and they didn't come home from that. Like that that's a terrible thing to have to think about. You know, maybe you talk to a parent or you talk to a friend or talk to a teacher about it. But this is what I know for sure. It's going to appear on the screen. When it comes to these things, right now our community is hurting. Our country is hurting. We've noticed this in junior high, and God does too. Why do I know that God notices the things that are happening? Because if you know the character of who Jesus is, if you know someone's character, you can, you can take a really good guess at the things they're going to do. So if you know someone's character, you can anticipate the things they care about or what they're going to do in any situation. And I'm going to tell you about the character of God. The character of God is one that cares for us, that moves toward the pain, not away from it, who actually wants to help us, not hurt us, who wants to give us hope, not take it away from us. You know, this is the thing when it comes to Jesus. You can write this down in your notes. Jesus knows what it's like to feel in the dark sometimes. And some of you are sitting there and you're writing this down and you're like, man, this is so tight. This is so good. I'm going to tweet this later. I'm going to tell my mom. I'm going to get dessert tonight because I paid attention in church. It is so good. And some of you are thinking, I don't believe this. You know, maybe, this is, maybe some people believe this, but for me, I don't know if I believe this. Because I don't think, I, you know, Jesus sounds like he's the answer for a lot of things. But can he really be the answer for this? You know, can he be the answer for what's happening in my school? Can he be the answer for what's happening in other people's school? Can he be the answer to the pain that's existing right now? Can he be the answer? And a lot of you, the one word that comes to your mind is this word, stop. Because you, because if that's true, then that changes the way that you think about these things. It changes the way you deal with them. You know, if Jesus actually cares and moves towards our pain, then it, either we're saying, yes, Jesus, come help, or we're the ones who are pushing him away. You know, the, sometimes we, we don't want to hear what we don't want to hear, and it upsets us. We kind of turn into this. Like, I, my kids do this all the time. They, Dad's saying it's time to go to bed. Dad's saying, it's, you know, no iPad, Beckett. We're going to bed. And he'll just cover his ears like I didn't say anything. And, you know, because if you don't hear it, then it doesn't make it real. You can't be punished for the things you don't hear. So if I cover my ears, I don't hear it, then I don't have to be, I don't have to worry about it. It, has, it doesn't have to affect my life. Or we become this, you know, the angry kid. Yeah, I think this is more realistic to us if we're honest with ourselves. Because when we're told something as junior hires that we don't want to hear, it actually upsets us. Because usually the thing we're being told, we're being told it because that could make a change in our lives. Like there's some change that we think can take place if we believe that Jesus can actually fix the things that are dark, that are broken, that are messed up in our lives. And we cover our ears in anger because what you're, what you're hearing is an adult or a pastor or maybe a parent or a friend saying, no, you just got to put your faith in Jesus. And we don't want to hear that. Because, man, that may take some work. Or, man, what if, what if we put our faith in Jesus and then it blows up in our face? What if it doesn't work out the way we think it will? You know, there's a story from John 11. So if your Bible is with you, you can open up to John 11. John, it's, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the third book of the New Testament. You can use your table of contents. It's in the Bible. And we're going to look at John chapter 11, verses, uh, starting with verse number 1. This is a story of Lazarus. And a lot of you guys probably know the story of Lazarus. But we're not going to look at it from the typical way. We're actually going to take a look at it from the perspective of the sisters because the sisters in the story of Lazarus were hurting because they just lost their brother. I don't know if anyone's ever lost someone, but these guys, these gals, they were hurting. They just lost their brother. And how they react matters and how Jesus interacts with them also matters. So I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of the sisters for a second. This is what it says. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. I need you to remember that. 
He was from Bethany, a village, and Mary and Martha. So the, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Why would he, she do this? Why would it be a big deal? People get sick all the time. Like, this isn't like, a, 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 like some confusing word. Like, he, he was sick. And people get sick all the time, and I don't send word to my friends when they're sick. But back in the Bible, if you got sick, like, you were just basically, you, you were going to die. Like, if, if you got sick, you were going to die. So if you were, like, walking around, like, oh, hey, where's, you know, where's, uh, where's Mike? I haven't seen Mike in a while. Be like, oh, yeah, Mike, he's sick, man. He's got the cold. Be like, oh, he's got the cold, huh? Well, you know, let's start planning his funeral. That guy's going to die. Who gets all of his stuff? Like, if you're, like, walking around, and it's like, oh, where's Emily? I haven't seen Emily in a while. Oh, man, she, she's been throwing up. Like, she, she's, she must have ate something weird. Throwing up, you say. She's throwing up. She's not going to make it. She's definitely going to die. Who's going to get her stuff? Like, if, if you're sick, like, it's it just accepted that you're going to die. Because there was no medicine. There was no doctors. There was no urgent care, no hospitals, no nurses. Like, if you get sick, that's why people died so young in the Bible. Like, they couldn't live because they got sick, and, like, the regular just cold would just take them out. There's no medicine. So it's actually very serious if you're sick. So they'd send word to Jesus. Why would they send word to Jesus? Well, because they know who Jesus was. Jesus could heal sick people. Jesus could heal the blind. He could heal the sick. He does miracles. They reached out to Jesus knowing that he could do something about it. You know, here's a question for you. When things happen in your life, do you reach out to the people who can actually do something about helping, or do you keep it to yourself? The, the sisters, they didn't keep it to themselves. They reached out to someone who could help them. They knew that person was Jesus. So here's the thing. Jesus, he didn't go right away. And we skip a couple of verses and take a look at verse uh, 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. That's like stinky death. Like, you, you're in the tomb for four days. Like, you smell, like, pretty ripe. I mean, you're, you're, you're not smelling good. Sounds a lot like a junior high boy's cabin, okay? You're not smelling good. For Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, pay attention, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Why is that important? I want to tell you why it's important. Because people respond to things in different ways when things happen. You know, when something shocking happens, something upsetting, something sad, something painful, something hurtful, people respond to things in different ways. Let me give you an example, okay? When I was in school, I had a teacher who gave a pop quiz. Okay, I didn't like pop quizzes. I turned to my friend. I'm like, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, man. He's like, you know, I studied a little bit last night. I'll probably get a B on it. And I'm like, no, dude, we got to start a revolution. We got to burn this place down and get out of here. We got to get out of this quiz. Like, and it was a quiz, but it was a huge deal to me. People respond to things very differently, okay? I don't know how you respond to stuff, but these gals, they responded to things very differently. You know what I love about Jesus? It's on the screen. I want you to write it down in your notes. Mary and Martha had two different responses to the story that they were both living in. Two very different responses, and Jesus was okay with that. See, you don't have to come to Jesus with a specific response, a perfect response. You don't have to come to him with a mature response. You don't have to come to him with a polished response. You don't have to have a response to Jesus that sounds good. It doesn't have to be a certain number of characters to fit into a box. You come to Jesus with how you're feeling, and Jesus will listen. You know, this is what it says in the Bible, okay? Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Could you imagine blaming, looking at Jesus in the face and blaming him for this? I mean, seriously, like, Jesus is standing there, and you're looking him in the face and being like, you know what? You know why my brother's dead? You're the reason why. It's your fault. If you would have been here, he would be alive right now. You are to blame Jesus. Now, listen, I've been blamed for a lot of stuff in my life. A lot of it I probably did. Some of it I didn't, but a lot of it I probably did. When I was a kid, uh, we did a, a biology class, and we were dissecting rats, and I took 
the rat, I cut the head off the rat, and I hollowed it out, and then I put the head of the rat on my principal's Jaguar. She had a Jaguar. She had like the Jaguar symbol poking out of her car, and I put the head of the rat on the, the front of the Jaguar. And, and, I got, and I got a lot of trouble for that. I mean, they blamed me for it. They, they blamed me for it. I got a lot of trouble. Obviously, I denied it. I mean, I'm not going to take the heat for that one. They had no proof. There were no cameras. They had no proof. So, but they just assumed it was me. But I mean, I got blamed for stuff, okay? Imagine blaming Jesus that your brother is dead, and he could be alive if it wasn't for them. Here's the thing that I want you to write down. Jesus met them. So let me up on your screen. Jesus met them both in different ways. He could handle them reacting in different ways. Okay, I don't know who you have in your life who can handle the way that you react to things, but there's probably a hundred plus in this room. And I assure you, there's a hundred plus different ways you react to things in your life. Do you have people in your life who can handle the way you uniquely react? Jesus can. I'm going to tell you why he can. Because he created you. He knows you. Your overreaction that sometimes lashes out at people when you're angry, or your underreaction that bottles it up inside, and it actually lends to you hurting yourself privately because you're hurting inside, and you don't know how to deal with it publicly. You don't know who to go to. Jesus knows how to help you through that, Because he made you. He knows how you react to things. You know, this is what it says in verse 23. This is Jesus talking. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. This is what this this verse means. She's saying, Jesus, I know what you've taught. I've listened. I've been to your lessons and I've taken notes on my paper and I have them collected at home. I know what you've taught about people rising again. I know in the end that all the dead are going to rise and come back to life. I know that story. I know that eventually you're going to fix things, but it doesn't fix things for me right now, is what Martha's saying. Who's ever felt that way? Listen, I'm a guy, so I like to fix things. I like fixing things. My wife says something's broken. The first thing I think is I'm going to get to spend money at Home Depot. I'm going to look like a total man. Whenever I walk in a Home Depot, I feel such, such a man, okay? I always go, I buy something, and I always pick up like a two-by-four wood. It's only like four bucks. But there's nothing more manly than walking out of Home Depot with a bag of whatever and a two-by-four, and you're just looking at other guys like, I'm going to do some work. When I, like, it doesn't matter if I need to fix like a mirror or paint something. A two-by-four is always coming with me. There's nothing more manly than two-by-four. I like fixing things, okay? I can fix it. I can give it my best shot, right? Not everything needs to be fixed. Sometimes things just need to be listened to. You know, Martha was saying, Jesus, I know that eventually you're going to fix things, but right now things are broken. Right now I need help. I need someone to listen. You know, Jesus does listen. You know, verse 30, this is what it says. Jesus said, you're going to see it on the screen. Jesus, uh, Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were there at the house consoling Mary saw her leave hastily. They assumed that she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep, going to her brother's grave. Her brother is dead. She's going to her brother's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary, okay, pay attention, arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is the second person to burn Jesus, to look at him in the face and say, it's your fault then my brother isn't here. He'd be here if it wasn't for you. You know, I don't know what it feels like for you when you're blamed for things that you don't do. I react poorly sometimes. Jesus doesn't. This is how Jesus reacts. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing, a deep anger, hear this word. This is Jesus we're talking about. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Remember that verse. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Here's what I want you to hear. Jesus was sad that his friend Lazarus was dead. He was sad. He was probably emotional about that. He missed his friend Lazarus. They were friends. He missed him probably. They were close. They hung out. They hung out at each other's houses. They probably had dinner together. They knew each other. His sisters knew Jesus well. They all knew each other really well. But that's not why Jesus wept. You want to know why Jesus wept? Why an anger welled up within him? Why he was deeply troubled? I'll tell you why. Because the people had lost hope. That's why. Because the people had lost hope. Because everyone around there had just assumed that nothing could be done. Jesus was standing there, and they just assumed that nothing could be done. And I don't know if you've ever felt like nothing could be done in the problems that you have, in the things you're dealing with, in the stress you feel at school, and the questions you have about what's happening in our community and in our country. I don't know if anyone's ever had the question of, is it safe to go to school? I don't know if anyone's ever had the question of, well, what does this mean for that community now? And you hurt with them. I don't know if anyone's ever looked in the mirror and said, man, I, I feel like I've just made tons of mistakes. I'm full of mistakes and I just don't know what to do. I don't know if anyone's ever felt this way. If you ever felt like you don't have a hope for the situation you're in, that you don't have hope for your family because your parents argue a ton, that there's no hope for you at school because you're getting bullied and you see no end in sight, that you don't have a hope that there's a future for you past what you're dealing with right now, that you feel like you don't have hope in your friendships because friends have just been gossiping about you, been mean to you. You don't have hope for your own life because you've been cutting and abusing yourself because you don't know how else to deal with it. I don't know if you've ever felt like you have no hope, but when you feel like you have no hope, Jesus weeps for you because he weeps for those who believe that there's no hope outside of Jesus. And that is why he was weeping here. They didn't believe there was hope for Lazarus. They didn't think that Jesus could do it, and Jesus wept because he is capable of doing anything. You know, here's the deal. This is, uh, this is the deal. Jesus understands the hurt from the darkness of our stories because he hurt in his story too. He hurt the way we hurt. He has felt the things we have felt. Because he has experienced hurt, and because we know the character of who Jesus is, someone that moves toward the hurt, not away from it. We know that when we hurt, Jesus moves toward us. When we feel like there's no hope, Jesus weeps for us. And he still draws near to us. When we talk, we know that Jesus is listening because we know the character of Jesus is one who listens to us, who cares about us. You know, here's the thing. I'm so worn out with people who have fixes for things. I'm so, I'm so just tired of that and so worn out emotionally. I'm spiritually worn out for people who offer solutions. I'm so worn out with that. Want to know why I'm worn out with that? Because sometimes it's not about offering a solution. You can offer all these solutions and it's not what you need. Sometimes you just need someone who will listen. I want you guys to check out this clip. This is from my favorite movie. And if you don't get the idea from here, I don't think you're going to get the idea. Check this out. Make sure the sound's on. Hall of Fame. My rocket. Wait, Riley and I were still using that rocket. It still has some song power left. Who's your friend who likes to play? 
really can't be done with me. Hey, it's gonna be okay. We can fix this. We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, Bing Bong, look at this. Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone. Forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, they were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness. It sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. <laughs> I'm okay now. Come on. The train station is this way. Here's the deal, students. Let me ask you this question. Do you have someone who's listening to your hurts? To your questions? Do you have a leader? Is there a teacher? Have you been open with your parents about the things that you're thinking about? As, as, and you don't have to filter them through some filter of emotion of what you should be feeling. Have you been able to talk to someone about what you're really thinking, what you're really feeling? You know, solutions are great. I'm so worn out with them. Listening changes everything. To have someone who's just willing to hear what you have to say changes everything. You know, here's a couple of last thoughts before we go. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write these last two down. Some of you grab, pull out your phones and take pictures of this. This is worth it, okay? Your hurt left alone will eventually hurt someone else. It'll eventually hurt someone else if, if your hurt's not already resulting in you hurting yourself. Your hurt will eventually hurt someone else. See, because if you don't talk about it, you don't deal with it. Eventually, it's going to come out in the worst way. You're going to lash out at someone. You're going to say something you don't mean. And it's, it's not you reacting. It's the hurt you reacting. The hurt you is very different than you. Mary and Martha never looked at Jesus and just blamed him for the things in their life. But hurt Mary and Martha, who's struggling with the loss of their brother, man, she, she hurts people. When, left, when hurt left alone... When you leave your hurt alone, you'll eventually hurt someone else. Here's the last thing. This is a big idea for today. Hurt can't survive being talked about. Want to know how I know this is true? Because I've hurt with things in my life. And you know what I've done? Instead of keeping them bottled up inside and thinking that I can figure it out on my own, I actually talk to people about it. I share what's going on. I get it out. Why? Because hurt can't survive being talked about. You might need to talk to someone a couple times. You might need to talk to you know, a parent a couple times, a leader, a pastor a couple times. You might need to talk to a counselor. I've done counseling. It's worth it. It was worth it for me. It helped me. You might need to talk. And it might not happen overnight. It might happen over time. But hurt can't survive being talked about. So when you go home today and your parents say, oh, what did you guys learn at church today? You're going to tell them what we talked about. We talked about suicide school shootings. We talked about the painful things that happen in life, and we learned that hurt can't survive being talked about. And then you look back at your parents, and what are you going to say to mom and dad? What did you learn today? Because if they're going to ask you, you're going to ask them. 
Here's the deal. We're wrapping up service, but we're going to do something. If you're a leader, you're going to go stand in the back somewhere. We have some of our staff and some of our leaders around. If you have something that you need to talk about with someone and you haven't yet, there's leaders who are around who are willing to listen to what you have to say. They're not going to offer a solution. They're not going to fix things, but they're going to listen to you. If you need that, take advantage of someone. And if you don't need that, then you're going to be dismissed and you can go. But I I want you guys to remember, life is better in JHM because you guys are in JHM and we love you. Have a really great week. Leaders in the back if you need to talk to someone. We'll see you guys later.